Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I'm very excited that you guys are here with us. We have a super high-energy, amazing guest joining us on the show today. But before we get to Ken Spanky Moskowitz, I need to make sure that Mr. Dean Holland has ridden into the studio. <laughs> Indeed, I have on noble steed here in the UK. How you doing, James? <laughs> Excellent. Dean, yourself? Yes, as always, doing great. Looking forward to the show. You know, we always log in before we officially hit record, and I, I came into some awesome music. Ken getting into uh, interstate, so I can tell it's gonna be a good show. I'm excited. No, it sounded like uh, sounded like a concert. So, without further ado, Ken Spanky Moskowitz, how's it going, man? Man, I am amazing. It's just incredible, and I'm so thrilled to be a part of this today. Really, that's awesome. So, I got to just like right before we get into anything else. Where did the name Spanky come from? Okay, so I got so much crap as a kid because people thought, you know, maybe I have a problem in the bedroom and that's where it came in. No. Uh, so I had an uncle. So I was raised in a, in a really Jewish New York East Coast family. And I had an uncle who, when I was four years old, slapped a propeller beanie on my head and took a picture because I looked like Spanky from the Little Rascals. <laughs> and... I'm telling you, when that guy died, when Uncle Hyde died, I thought the nickname was going to go with him, and it didn't. And I cursed him for it for years, but it turned out it served me really well throughout my career because I went into the creative industry. And in the creative industry, if I just had, had come to it every day with Ken Moskowitz, people wouldn't remember me, but no one ever forgets Spanky. So... Even though I hated Uncle High as a kid, even though the day he died, I was praying that my nickname would go with him. I, <laughs> I, I'm grateful it didn't. So when when did you first realize the nickname hadn't died with your uncle? Well, here's what happened. Every year, friends would come over and they would see the picture. They would see the nickname and they, oh, Cap Spanky, that's funny. And it stuck. And so every year, more and more friends would call me Spanky and fewer and fewer would call me Ken. Only my closest like three to five friends would call me Ken or Kenny, but everybody else called me Spanky. So it, it just it just stuck and I couldn't get away from it. Garth Brooks always says, thank God for unanswered prayers. And I'm not a big country music fan, but I know that one. And I'm glad that that prayer went unanswered because that nickname has been part of my identity going through my corporate professional career, going through launching my businesses, uh, through my book writing. Like people know me by my nickname and I am so grateful for that. Dean, I feel like you're, you need a nickname. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I'm not professing. Yeah, like I didn't get some download right now that I'm like going to give you a nickname, but I like giving you a good solid nickname like Spanky, I feel like is on my agenda now. Right. Okay. This should be fun. I look forward to next time we speak. 
You know, you can crowdsource this with your audience and have your <laughs> right. That that's the way to do it. You want to be you want to be democratic about it. Let the audience decide. Oh, that I could like be it. so dangerous. Of course it can, but that's the best part. I know that's amazing. All right, so let's so let's talk about. So you know, it's funny that you you know you have this story about your nickname and how it kind of created a brand for you because that's really what you do, right? You've led rebranding efforts with you know major companies like Coca Cola and. Mars and Frito-Lay and Campbell's and like all these big people, big players that people know, smaller players, you're in the branding and copy world, right? You're all about words that resonate and, and everything like that. How, how did that happen? Like, why did you get into that stuff? Okay. So this is super nerd moment. And I, and I've shared this with some people that are close to me. And so, so my friends that grew up with me know this. Now I'm going to share this with your audience. And I think this is, this really shows you just how narrow focused my life has been. So imagine Queens, New York. I'm 12 years old. It's the year before I'm bar mitzvahed. Yes, I was bar mitzvahed in Queens, New York. And it's the year before my bar mitzvah. And all I wanted to do was create a radio studio in my bedroom. So I hobbled together all the cheap shit equipment I could afford, um, turntables and recorders and reel-to-reels. Like I did everything I could to create a mock studio in my bedroom. Now, it was not the greatest studio in the world. In fact, it totally sucked, but it was mine. And the next year I was bar mitzvahed and Uncle High, God rest his soul, the guy who gave me this wretched nickname, at my bar mitzvah came up to me and in the bathroom handed me an envelope and he said, put this in your jacket. Don't let your parents know about it. This sounds so shady. It did because like, Uncle Hyde looked like the guy – like if you didn't know he was a you know an old Jewish guy from New York, you'd think he was like in the mafia, um, <laughs> which he very well could have been by the way. But I don't know this. So Uncle High handed me this envelope. I put it in my jacket and, and I wasn't supposed to tell anyone about it. Now, a few people know about it at this point. But in that envelope, aside from the bar mitzvah money that he left me in a check form that my parents knew about – Uncle High had given me 500 bucks in cash because, I don't know, the guy liked me. And, and I still hated him at that point, but I was over it because he gave me 500 bucks. Yeah, you liked his money. Yes. And so I took that money and I went to, a, uh, I went to two stores, Crazy Eddie and The Wiz. And I bought all the stuff that I wanted that I could afford with that 500 bucks. And I was really good. I bought like refurbished crap, return stuff. But I bought myself two JVC turntables proper recording equipment. And I started creating recordings in my studio, but I wasn't making mixtapes like you would expect any kid in the eighties who was into like, you know, music. No, I was making commercials because to me, the fascinating part of, of radio wasn't the music. I loved the music. Don't get me wrong. I still love music, but it was the messaging. It was the advertising super nerdy. I don't know why it resonated with me, but I loved the emotional journey that a really good ad could bring someone on. I loved the memorability of a jingle. I loved the messaging and the branding, and I got hooked on it. It was like my crack. And so when my parents and family would go to the beach to Rockaway or Jones Beach or wherever the hell they went, I, I, I went to the beach as little as I could at that point. I would stay at home and create mixtapes, but I would write and produce my own radio commercials, and you would never be able to tell them apart from a real radio commercial. Were you doing this for businesses, or you just were kind of just doing it for the hell of it? No, I, I was a 13-year-old kid who had Hustler magazines hidden under his bed. Like There was no <laughs> business that would 
But oh god, did I just admit that? Um, no, I didn't hear anything, but okay. everybody else did. There was no internet back then, so so porn was a very different thing. It was paper. Anyway, uh, so I spent my time doing that for me. That was my personal enjoyment, and and I don't know why I was super nerdy like that. But what it was was a it was a predetermination of where I was going to go in my career because that was my jam. I could write a jingle for anything. I could sing a pop song and turn it into a jingle like instantaneously, and I still do that. And so for me, that was really, if anything was a predictor of where my career was going to go, it was my teenage years. And I always knew this is what I was going to do in life. That's amazing. So when did it turn into something where you got paid for it? Like what was the big, what was the big moment? So I was working at, um, I had my first job in radio at a little uh, crappy radio station in Sussex County, New Jersey, WSUS. Uh, 102.3, if I remember correctly. And um, somebody heard me from a, from a bigger station in New York, uh, heard me doing whatever shift I was doing and invited me to come to a bigger station. And that's how I kind of moved up. From there, discovered that the production room was really my favorite place. I thought I was going to be like the greatest DJ in America. And um, because I can tell the time and temperature three different ways. But the re- the reality is that wasn't my favorite part of radio. It was being in the production studio. So um, fast forward, the production director was going on vacation and they needed someone to fill in. And I'm like, count me in, bro. I'm in. And I got to stay in that production room for, for like two weeks. And I became the production director. And I knew at that point I was so hooked because I got to work on commercials every day. That's awesome. This show is called Just the Tips. So we're going to need some tips, okay? Get into them. Yeah, that's right. Preach it, Dean. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So what is the key to writing great copy? Okay, the key to writing great copy is to stop trying to write great copy. The key is to dig into your life experiences, to dig into your emotion, to dig into the hurt, the pain, the joy, the, all of those moments that make up your life, even if it's the crappy shit, right? Even if it's you were abused and beaten as a kid, even if it was you were the most happy kid in the world, tap into those emotions and write stories. Tell stories because stories are super engaging. Stories connect every one of us. Every single, think about it, movies tell the same story a thousand different ways, but they're stories. If a movie was written like an ad, right, like a real ad, nobody would watch it. They would be the most boring crap in the world. But because they have a storyline, they have a beginning, they have a villain, right? They have a, a, a heroic moment. There's romance. There's stories are the best way to sell, to market, to brand anything because humans have been storytelling since they were writing hieroglyphics in caves. So, um, so I know, so I know a lot of people listening to this would be like, okay, stories, I got it. I got to use them and everything. But then when you're talking about an ad and you feel like you have this super short amount of space, how do you, how do you convey that story in just a fraction of a second or in, you know, minimal amount of words? Like what's the, What's the art or the science to doing that? Okay, so I will give you a perfect example of this. Several years ago, a buddy of mine uh, in the agency world 
had a swim school client that was struggling to get enrollment in this water safety class. And, and basically, it was this designed to have parents with toddlers enroll in the class so that their kid would become water safe because you don't want toddlers around pools that can't swim. So the ad showed, it was a Facebook ad, and it showed a happy baby underwater smiling because they teach, you know, kids how to swim. Well, the ad was very flowery and bubbly and invited them to come in for a, sw a free swim lesson. And it was wonderful. It was very pretty and converted nothing. And the ad was just, the ad was sinking. I mean, they could teach kids to swim, but they couldn't, their own ad couldn't swim. <laughs> right. And um, the, the ad was taken on water. So I said, hey, here's what I'm going to do with this. Let me, let me rewrite this in, a, in an emotional way and, and see if this helps. And I did this. This was for a friend. And so the way I rewrote the ad was using the human emotion, the experience. And I tapped into something that many people don't know about my life. Um, when I was a little boy, uh, I was about four years old. I was in Lake Ronkonkoma, Long Island, where I was um, being raised at that point. And we had a backyard pool, an above ground pool. And at that time, I couldn't swim. I was still in an, like an inner tube, you know, a little plastic blow up or whatever they were, tube. Oh, my water bottle just made this really weird noise. Ironic. Mm. Water so, bottle. The water bottle is getting emotional. With it you. is. It's it. Yes, it's starting to spritz. Um, James. <laughs> Spanky. Yes. Tell us your story. So we were in the pool and it was the summer and I wasn't supposed to go back to the pool, but I went back up the stairs and I got in my tube and everyone else had gone in and my sister was in the backyard and I got in the tube and I was so slippery that I slipped right through it. And I went mm. to the bottom of the pool and I panicked because I couldn't swim. I still have a really vivid, like I get the chills when I talk about this because it was an experience that changed my life and shaped the way my brain works. And I was underwater for, for I don't know, 10 or 15 seconds. And I was freaking out because even though I didn't know the severity of the situation, I realized that this could be where I die. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this splash above me happens, and my sister grabs me by my hair and pulls me out of the pool. And she was a couple of years older than me. Lisa is – she's still a couple of years older than me. Thank God. <laughs> anyway – she uh, she pulled me out of the pool and brought me into the house and I was crying and screaming and sad and scared, all the emotions of a kid who almost drowned. And then my dad came into the house and of course he was scared about what had happened and proceeded to beat the shit out of me. Now, that has a really profound effect on you, right? You almost drown, you have fear, you have terror. You have all this emotion that you're alive, and then your dad beats the crap out of you for almost drowning. So there's a lot of mixed emotions. So fast forward to this ad. I decided that this ad needed a picture of a father and a daughter standing in front of a grave. And it said, don't let this happen to your kid. And the story went on to explain or, or to paint a picture of what it's like when a kid falls in the pool and there's no sound. There's no splashing because they fall in so silently. I just slipped through the tube. I made no noise, none. And once you're underwater, you can't scream. And so I painted a picture of this child opening his mouth to scream and the water rushed in 
and he could feel the intense burn. And he could see people walking around on the deck in, in this blurry haze of water. And the dog starts barking at the edge of the pool, looking down. And the boy could see as he's sinking, the dog barking at the edge of the pool. And as this kid can, continues to sink and the dog continues to bark, no one knows he's there. And the burning is excruciating. And then slowly the light starts to fade and he's gone. And I painted that picture in less than a hundred words in a Facebook ad. And in three days they had booked out six months of swim classes. Wow. wow. I mean, I'm sitting here listening to that story. I'm like, yeah, holy I was, shit. I was with it. I was that. Yeah. And see, so that's the power of storytelling. And a lot of, a lot of businesses get stuck. They think there's this perception and a misconception that, okay, here's my offer. Here's the reason that people want it. They need to buy now, click, shop, get it, right? But the reality is, is that if you reverse engineer that and can touch them emotionally, can get them in their heart, right? Can get them to have a visceral reaction to something. If you're trying to, to be everything to everyone, you're nothing to anyone. You have to have a message that resonates with someone. And it's going to piss some people off, and that's okay. Mm. But the ones that it doesn't piss off are going to be the ones that enroll, that buy, that purchase. They're going right. to be the fans, the brand advocates, the loyalists, the ones that will fight for your brand because they love what you do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I love, what, I love yep. what you said there. So this is one of the things when, we've, uh, when I look back like over the years, I can definitely say – up until more recent years when I've made a more continual effort to make less people like me. We, I always look at like our ads and things in the past and say like the reason things aren't really taking off is because they're just, everything's just vanilla, as I always put it. It's like there's no reason for anyone to really love it or really hate it. And so I, you know, what you, what you just said there in terms of like you're really going to piss some people off. To me, that's like one of the keys I really go for now. Is like I give it like this judgment test. Like, is someone going to be really pissed at this ad or this thing that I'm saying? And if the answer is yes, I, I'm all for it personally. Right. And, you know, you don't have to just piss people off, but you want to paint with such vivid words, such a broad brushstroke that that people feel like they're part of the story. I'll give you another example. And so so I went really dark on that first one. And that and that's a real world example. Right. Let, let me go to it in a completely different direction. We have another client that is a, a mail order whiskey company, okay? A mail order whiskey company. And basically every month you would get a, um, a sample or a taste of, I forgot how many whiskeys, five to 10. And, uh, and they're all different whiskeys. And some of them are really crazy expensive whiskeys. So how do you sell whiskey, mail order whiskey, on Facebook and tell an emotional or a story that's going to connect with people and make them want to take action other than saying, here are the whiskeys you get, here are the samples you'll have each and every month delivered to your door by now. Right. It sounds so utilitarian. Right. Like, so, you want whiskey, here we are. Right. So what we did is we have this picture of a handsome guy with a beard because, you know, beards are so in. I can't grow one. I look like an Amish dude when I try to grow a beard. Was it, and, was it a picture of Dean? Because he's a very handsome <laughs> guy with a beard. Uh, you know, you know, Dean, it was you. Dean, uh, yeah. Dean needs to get royalties on this, man. Yeah, I'm in. Just send whiskey. Well, 
<laughs> well, it sends you some whiskey. Right. So, so it's it's the the picture is this this very attractive young man with a beard. He and he's he's got his nose right at the edge of a glass of whiskey, and you know it's it's just you can you can kind of feel the the romance of the whiskey. But the ad, and I'm going to read this ad to you verbatim. The headline of the ad says, taste the adventure. And then the body copy of this ad reads like this. The ridiculously expensive sports car slams into the curve on the darkened and slick streets of Monaco. Behind you, three European goons with serious unibrow problems bared down on your bumper. The exotic young blonde seated beside you places her hand on your knee and gives you that confident gaze of, lose these guys and let's get to your yacht. Join the adventure now. This is what it tastes like to be a double O secret spy. Now you can get this adventure delivered right to your door every month with the whiskey order. All you do is sign up, we ship, and you enjoy a hand-picked sample of endless adventure, all without the double O danger or price tag. Ready to join? Sign up now and get $10 off your first month. I love it. I feel like I feel like we need a round of applause for yeah. that. Okay, I'll applaud. Yeah. No. By the way, that was written by uh, by Sean, one of our one of our amazing writers and storytellers. And you know, so you can turn the most basic service offering product into a really connected piece of copy that that moves people to action. And that's the cool thing about storytelling. It's way better than just writing an ad. Yeah. You see, what I, what I like with that one, and, and, and I want to just draw on this for maybe the listeners, is like, because I, I, I'm guessing like we've got a lot of people probably listening that A, either struggle with story, like and actually telling it in a powerful and emotional way. And B, I guess there's a lot of people that maybe just come from a direct response kind of sell the damn thing. And I think with that ad there, I think you you kind of merge the two very effectively, in my opinion, like not some long, long story that people can't see themselves creating. Um, and it also got to the point as well in, in leading to the next step that they want people to take. I think that was effective. Thank you. And, you know, that client, we, we had written a bunch of ads for them. And um, we love being able to tell different creative stories because those stories build part of your brand, right? Your brand becomes known for being the brand that tells these great stories. We work with an underwear company in Australia, and, and I told them they should have renamed their company Down Unders, but they're not. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but step one is this men's underwear company, and they really let us get creative with their ads. And, and we, we talk about you know, the, this wonderful ballroom and no, we're not talking about the place you dance, but the place your balls actually sit. Right. But you can do that in a Facebook ad if you know how to tell a story. And so I, I think there's not a product, a service, a business or an offering that can't be spun into a story. And, and it's really hard, especially for the solopreneur to get out of their own brain, to get out of your own head and go, OK, well, I've got to think about this differently. And, and oftentimes they take the safe approach. They take the approach that they know, well, I do it this way. It's going to work. And if the ROI doesn't come in, I'll create another ad. But the problem is, is you're just creating noise in an already noisy environment rather than standing out. I would rather be different than anything else because different is better than better. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So does a um, quick, uh, quick question on your opinion on this. Does every ad or should every ad that people are looking to write, should it have the story element? 
I think that, so now I'm going to totally contradict myself. I think that, yes, there should always be storytelling in your ads. No, I don't think every ad needs a story. Why? And boy, do I, did I just completely contradict myself. That was like the most bipolar thing I could say. But here's why. Let, let's say if you look at a typical sales funnel, right at the top of the funnel, if a marketer is, is, is looking at a sales funnel, you're going to do awareness, right? The awareness for the brand. So you might create an ad that is a story at the top. You might go really short at the top. Everyone tries something different. It's going to be something that you test and figure out for your audience. But at the middle, you're going to do features and benefits, right? You're going to, because this is the consideration phase. Could you do features and benefits in a story? Absolutely. But oftentimes you can go straight. Here are the features and benefits, right? Because you've already grabbed their attention with the story. At the bottom of the funnel, you're going to go for the sale, the offer, the pitch. Maybe in retargeting, you get creative with them again. I know in, in my company, uh, when we do retargeting ads, our retargeting ads are like we get people sharing our retargeting ads because they're, they're done in a way that's fun and that tells a story. But the story that we tell in our retargeting ads is the story of the people who are actually reading the ads. And so our ads say stuff like, tag, you're it. Yeah, we've been watching you. We know you've liked our 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 ads and you comment on them and you share them, right? We're talking directly to them mm -hmm. and they appreciate that. We're telling their story and yet they're still hesitant to try us for the first time. So then we'll hit them with a testimonial video. And that testimonial video is a story, but it's a story of a client and their experience of working with us. So I do a lot of storytelling and I think it's really powerful, but not every ad needs to have a story. Awesome. So, so do, I mean, let me just ask you this straight up. Like, do you think everybody has the ability to do this? Or do you think it's something that some people are better at and some people really need to work hard at? Or, you know, is it a learned skill or is it natural or is it a combination of both? James, let me ask you, have you had a sad period in your life? Yes. Like when I decided to, when I committed to doing the podcast with Dean. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, and I, I feel your pain. Or, or as Bill Clinton used to say, I feel your pain. Um, <laughs> I love that. So, so you have a sad moment, right? Whatever that moment is, it could be the death of a, of a family member. It could be the starting of a podcast with a guy in the UK, right? Whatever <laughs> that is, you tap into that emotion, right? Yeah. Tap, tapping into emotion is what you need to do in order to be a storyteller. And everyone... I mean, everyone has had happiness in their life, sadness in their life, joy, and pain. All of those are very powerful. And all of those can be utilized to find that inner um, discomfort. You know, something that Gary Vee says all the time, and, and he and I talked about this at dinner. Uh, he, he, every night before he goes to bed and when he wakes up in the morning, he imagines the worst possible thing in the world, and that is his family dying in a plane crash. Everyone dies. And he does that because it's a really deep emotional thing, and it, and it, it helps him realize just how lucky he is, how good he's got it, and how grateful he is for what he has. And I think that if you can tap into the most painful thought, the most painful experience or the happiest thought and happiest time in your life, you can tell incredible stories. Most people don't allow themselves to go there because it's really fucking painful. Mm. 
Mm. For the sad stuff or for the happy stuff, like what, like, I mean, I imagine that's not painful, but you have to realize that that's what you're trying to create for your audience, right? Right. But, but most people go to the sad, like by default, people go to the negative stuff. Just look at what happens when you post something online that's positive and happy. How much hater, how many haters come out and just start crapping all over it, right? I, I shared my experience of uh, recently I attended Business Mastery, Tony Robbins Business yep. Mastery with my uh, my business partner. And he and I went and spent five days there and it was like a fire hose of information. And I had so many great takeaways from that. So I came back and I was inspired and I, and I put together this blog post and they were like the, the three top things that I got from Business Mastery. And then I shared it on Facebook. Boy, was that a fucking mistake because the haters came out. But you've got to be able to ignore the haters because I didn't write it for them I didn't write it for the people who think Tony Robbins is a snake oil salesman and a shyster and a whatever. I, that's not who I wrote it for. I wrote it for the people that were open to hearing the message. And it takes an awful lot of energy to be negative, but people go to the negative first because that seems to be the default for people who are unhappy. Mm. And so... Even when you're trying to write, people tend to get into that negative space first because it's a lot easier to tap a negative in your life than it is a positive. Mm. I, on the other hand, like to stay in the positive space. Now, this isn't like me saying I'm happy all the time. I'm grateful all the time. Bullshit. That's not true. There are times where I'm pissed off. There are times when I'm sad. There are times like today. I'm pretty down. Like this is me at about 75%. My energy is not where I normally like it, but it's, I came back from, from traffic and conversion. I was there in San Diego. We had a long ass drive. We drank every night. I'm tired, but you know what? That's not an excuse. I have to show up. I've got to be who I am and I've got to bring my energy because I'm here with you guys, right? This is important. This is what's on my agenda today. So I'm going to drown out all the negative. I'm going to drown out the tired and I'm going to bring my A game. But people can very easily default into the negative. And that's why it's harder for people to get in a positive space. You know, we started this, this out today and, and you were talking about the music I was playing. That music helps me set my mind, set my framing so that I'm in the right state of mind to do the things I do, to take care of the tasks I need to take care of as a business owner, as a dad, as a, as a husband. I like to stay in a positive state. So I get in that state before I do anything that requires focus. And if that's what it takes for you to write an emotional story for your business, your product, your service, your brand, that's what it takes. And if you struggle with it, there are people that can help you with that, right? There's thousands of great writers around the world that that's all they do. Um, so there's there's you don't have to be a great writer. And boy, I sorry, I went really deep and I went all over the place and there were valleys and hills and um, but, but that's, that's my, my short answer. How's that for short? Yeah, no, that's amazing. And, and so, so speaking of great writers and, uh, and that sort of thing, you, you run your company ad zombies, which is an amazing, like easy to remember name, super unique and different. And like, tell us a little bit about what you guys do. I, I can, if I, do I have enough time to share the origin story? Cause that's the f most fun part for me. I feel like I would be cutting you off from something important if I said no. And because I was circumcised, I was already cut off. So let's just go. Was <laughs> okay. that TMI? Okay. So here's the thing. Ad Zombie started by accident. And I, ha I have another company that does film and video production. We travel the world shooting pilots and TV shows, not pilots that fly airplanes, TV pilots that would be horrible to shoot pilots. 
I was in a Facebook group one day and someone was struggling with, with an ad for uh, breast augmentation. And he said, hey, my ad's not working. Can somebody help? And everyone crapped on him. See, they went right to the default, to the negative of, oh, your ad does suck. Well, he knows that. Nobody was helping him. So I jumped in and helped rewrite the ad, and which led to a, a small number of people saying, wow, I wish I could write like that. Now, again, let's go back to when I was 12 years old. This is what I've been doing my entire life. This is no different than what I have been doing since I was that kid in my bedroom. So rewrote this ad. People commented on it. I offered to help anyone who needed help. I said, just email me, DM me. And that weekend, 100 plus requests came in. And I'm like, wow, people struggle with this. And a business was born. And so fast forward um, two years later, March 6th will be our, our uh, March 6th is our two year anniversary. And we are now the largest copywriting service in the world. We write words that sell anything. And we have writers in the US, the UK, uh, Singapore, Australia, the Netherlands. Oh, gosh, we just added a couple of other writers in other countries. And so we uh, we write ads for businesses all over the world. We're the largest provider of ads on the Facebook platform. Uh, at any given time, there's four to 5,000 ads that we have done, produced for clients and their brands, their agencies, their products, their services, running on Facebook. Uh, we write email sequences, landing pages, if it has words on it and you need words to sell whatever it is you do, that's what we do. Awesome. That's amazing. Um, and you uh, and you said that you guys have prepared a special offer for our listeners if they wanted to take advantage of that. Okay. I'd be lying if I said I did. My ops team did. They saw this on my schedule. <laughs> I'm so Listen, man, I have such ADD. I wouldn't remember to tie my shoes. I didn't put on my belt this morning. So that's okay. Dean, Dean is probably not wearing any clothes. Right. <laughs> See, and that's probably a good way to write too, because th then your writing is just going to be raw. Right. Very natural. Very natural. So yeah, so we have an offer for anyone. If, if your business needs ads or copy or anything, um, it, we have a promo code, TIPS, T-I-P-S. If you use promo code TIPS at checkout, you will save 15% off of anything that you need written. And this isn't a one-time offer. So if you like it and you want to come back, you can use that promo code again and again and again. There's no restrictions on it. You can use it for anything. And, um, and you know, test us out. Kick the tires. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for doing that. Before, uh, before we wrap up, Dean, do you have any parting words, considering you're the handsome bearded man on this well, show? Well, as I sit here naked, I may have a few. Um, no, I just wanted to, uh, yeah, just say thanks, Ken. I think you started off this show with uh, talking about the story of the nickname Spanky. And you, uh, you said, you know, people don't forget. And I just want to kind of go along with that, you know, in the greatest of ways. You know, I definitely won't forget this show or you. So, yeah, thank you for uh, bringing the good stuff today. Appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. And, and as, as soon as I'm done with this, you know what I'm going to do. I'm putting that music back on because I got to get my brain right back to it. There you go, man. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Spanky. Uh, we appreciate you being on the show, man. For those of you guys who want to check out what he's up to, go to adzombies.com. And if you're going to uh, give them a uh, run for their money, go to uh, check out and type in promo code tips. And we're going to wrap up right now. I appreciate all you guys listening. Make sure you uh, recommend us to your friends. If you're having a good time, if you're not, it's Dean's fault. And uh, <laughs> this is James Supreel signing off for me and my amazing co-host, Mr. Dean Holland. We will talk with you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. 
For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.